9,000 in the pro space. We're already at 3,000 in college. So in 22 days, we basically got 33% of our athlete base. That took us five years to build up. But now we feel like we have a responsibility to go out and get these guys deals. This is the Work in Sports Podcast. Here's VP of Content and Engage Learning at WorkinSports.com, Brian Clapp. In 2015, Ishveen Anand brought to market her dream of an open marketplace for brands and athletes to do business. It's called OpenSponsorship.com. Brands have messages they want to get out in support of their products. Athletes of all levels are great spokespeople. Let's bring them together, build a transaction in a transparent and accessible way. Simple, right? Well, not exactly. There's a lot that goes into taking an idea and making it a reality. A reality that other businesses like Anheuser-Busch, Groupon, The Vitamin Shop, DraftKings, Verizon, and thousands more feel is reputable and credible enough to do business with. An idea is just an idea until you make it a reality. Now, that sounds kind of cliche and trite, but like, think about it. We've all had lots of ideas. Making them a reality and then having another business out there say, yeah, I like that. I want to use that. That's intense. And Ishveen has accomplished that. The first four to five years are often about growth and expansion. You know, both your credibility and your business opportunity, right? You have to build your credibility. You have to build the opportunity out. Then as the business matures, you get into a what's next mentality. Do we need to cross over into other verticals outside of sports like entertainment maybe? Is there new technology we need to develop? Do we need to change our staffing and our process? Leading a business as a CEO requires a constant mindset of where are we going versus Where have we been? There is no such thing as comfortable. Challengers emerge. Technologies change. It's all fluid. And then the biggest change of them all. Names, image, and likeness legislation. Think about this for a second. We've talked about it a lot. Okay. Ishveen's business, Open Sponsorship, was dependent on a limited number of professional athletes able to leverage who they are to generate business for other brands. I say limited number, not that, you know, only certain athletes can do this because athletes of all levels can make it, make a brand connection. I mean, limited number because there's only so many professional athletes now enter 460,000 new collegiate athletes able to do the same. Her market potential just tripled or quadrupled or some other big factor. As of July 1st, college athletes can use their name, their image, and their likeness to earn money, and open sponsorship is built for this transaction and for this business partnership. It opened up a huge opportunity for Ishveen and the great folks at Open Sponsorship, and amazingly, it isn't just the big stars and the big brands who are making money. For example, Jackson State defensive end Antoine Owens struck a deal with Three Kings Grooming. I hadn't heard of either one of them before I recorded this. But I love this potential, every bit of it. We've talked about it before on this show that names, images, and likeness is great for a lot of the smaller programs too because you may get a wrestler in Iowa who's signing a deal and building up the profile of their program or a water polo player at USC or a softball player at Oregon who are really out there generating revenue, building up their brand, and in turn, raising the profile of their own program and their own sports. It's amazing. 
And for Ishveen, this is opportunity at its finest. So for longtime listeners, you know I had Ishveen on the show two years ago, and she is amazing. I loved that conversation. I learned so much then. Now we're checking back in to learn more about what has happened in the NIL world over the first couple months of Wild West action. So here's my good friend, Ishveen Anand. Hi, Ishveen. How are you? Good. Thanks, Brian. Nice to be back. I am so excited to have you back. This is only the third time that I've had a return guest, and it's always been cool for me to have that follow-up conversation because there's so much happening in the sports world, in the world, everywhere. Things are changing so much that, I mean, we talked in November 2019, and it feels like it's a completely different world now. So thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, 100%. It is a different world, sports and everything else. Yeah, so lots to chit-chat about. (laughs) Yeah, lots to chit-chat about. Uh, Okay, so the big topic that has me massively interested is names, image, and likeness legislation. Um, It really dovetails into exactly what goes on at Open Sponsorship, your company. But before we start getting into those weeds before we start really talking about what this means and where it's going and what it's been like in the wild west of this whole situation. Give everybody a little bit of an introduction into open sponsorship, what you guys do, how it got started and how you've grown over the last five or six years. And it's like since 2015 now, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so open sponsorship, uh, largest marketplace connecting brands to athletes. So my background, as you know, I was a you know former sports agent. Um, prior to that, I was a, yeah, an athlete, a student athlete. So, you know, uh, fun to talk about NAL, but grew up playing sports, decided I wanted to work in sports, having graduated from university and, um, you know, had a kind of career path in consulting and then fell in love with sponsorship as a form of marketing. But I just thought the deal making was so archaic and so difficult and it didn't really make sense. And, you know, in our personal life, um, I was using Airbnb and Uber and all of these amazing websites. And I thought, gosh, why is there not one of these for our industry? Uh, So very naively went, oh, I could do that. Um, (laughs) And that was kind of 2015. Um, And so, you know, really the the aim for us is to be the one-stop shop, the Airbnb for everything, sports sponsorship, team, events, you know, everything. But really the athlete was where we honed in on mostly because of the rise of influencer marketing and digital and content and everything else. And, you know, obviously we've grown that and it's been amazing, but that really nicely parlayed us into being at the forefront of NIL. I love how in your LinkedIn profile, I was reading some of the, you know, some of the ways that you phrase open sponsorship. And I love how you make it very relatable to people to understand. It's like, if you're a seller, it's like this. If you're a buyer, it's like this, you know, and I, I just like the way that you present it and the way that you say it, like comparing it to Airbnb and some of those other marketplaces out there, Kayak and others really helps you understand what it is. So I love the way you relate that. For anybody that thinks this is a simple marketplace between just like, here's buyers, here's sellers, let's put them together and, and walk away. You're so much more than that. Uh, you promote AI-based matching, proprietary ROI tracking. You cover 160 sports in 120 countries. Um, can you explain the AI-based matching? Because I hear that and I'm like, that sounds kind of neat. I want to hear more. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, to be honest, like the main thing for us is we've got all of these amazing athletes. So, you know, we we have about 9,000 pro athletes. We have about 3,000 in college. That's I mean, you're talking 22 days in Um, and the numbers can be quite huge. And then you've got sports teams and events and all of these, like um, what we call our supply. 
And then on the other side, we're doing a great job of customer acquisition. We get brands coming in, whether it's referrals or Facebook ads or whatever else. So we've got both of these sides, but sometimes I liken it to you're at the prom and you've got girls on one side of the wall and boys on the other, but are they dancing, right? And someone has to put the right music in and, you know, someone has to, and it's not about being first because this is not in person. This is about like literally matching them up. And so that's how we think about matching, which is sometimes when you go into a marketplace, it can be overwhelming to say, you know, great, who can I afford? What should I get them to do? Um, what will the return be if I do this? How much should I get them to pay? Should I do a one-off for a three-month deal or a 12-month deal? So what we realized when we first built the marketplace, we were like, cool, let's just connect supply and demand, like you were saying, very simple. Yep. But then what we realized is actually there's a lot of intricacies within sponsorship, within marketing, that doesn't make it just possible to put them in the same platform. We got to like help them understand. And so not only is it matching based on... Um, you know, if you're if you're focused on a male demographic, male athletes. If you're focused on Hispanic, Hispanic athletes. If you have a five hundred dollar budget, here's your options. But we're also thinking about okay, well, if you're a small entrepreneur, then you probably want to do like a testimonial campaign. You probably want to do like affiliates. Whereas if you're a big brand, you're probably more brand awareness or you're, you know, whatever it may be. If you're clothing, then you're probably looking to do this. If you're pet foods, then this. And so there's basically a lot of intricacies within the, the, the way that we do things that we're trying to now use our, we have a data analyst on our team. She's awesome. So we're trying to get her to go, okay, how can we use our data to create what is really offline relationships and make them online. I love it. I think it's so super cool. And it's like a, such a smart marketplace, as you're saying, it's not just this, you know, very simple interface. It's the fact that you're able to match and really work together and show the ROI to the brands and really be able to display why this is working and where the best scenarios are. I think it's just, it's fascinating. So let's dive into this topic of names, image, likeness. Um, we'll start out a little bit broad and then we'll try to zero in a little bit. Obviously, you guys at Open Sponsorship have been connecting athletes and brands for years, predominantly on the professional side. All of a sudden, I mean, you guys are the experts in this field. All of a sudden, you open it up to all of these collegiate athletes. And it's like this massive unknown. You even hear people like Nick Saban still saying just yesterday, like, I really don't know how this is going to affect our locker room, our operations, everything. It's so much unknown right now, but that makes it super cool. As you mentioned, we're 22 days in now. It started July 1st. Just how much has this changed your business? Obviously, the pot's a lot bigger now. 460,000, I think it is, uh, student athletes or college student athletes. I mean, how much has this just changed things for you over the last 22 days? Yeah, I think it's been really interesting. A few reasons. So one is that in, in the pro space, about 70% of our athletes are signed up by agents. So, you know, we're working with like CAA, Rock Nation, IMG, okay. all of those guys. 30% is athlete direct. But that that's completely flipped in college where it might be one or 0.001% are through the agent and everyone else is athlete direct. So the user numbers are very high for mm -hmm. us. And it's a, it's a bit of a different equation because we're very, we know what, what we do work very closely with our agents friends um, and they drive a lot of deal volume for us. So it's kind of interesting now that we have to think a lot. So for example, our mobile app has never been more important than it is today. 
because most agents would be using the desktop version and maybe a bit of the mobile. But these student athletes, they're on the go, they're using mobile and whatever else. So there's basically platform things like that. Interesting. Second is the sheer number of athletes means that Now, as I said, like 9,000 in the pro space, we're already at 3,000 in college. So in 22 days, we've basically got 33% of our athlete base that took us five years to build up. So that's pretty crazy. So, But now we feel like we have a responsibility to go out and get these guys deals. Where do we get these deals from? So, you know, I'm challenging my team to think, okay, is it local? And there's a big discussion around this, right? Is it local businesses? Is it national businesses? Why are people not, you know, I had a call with a a major, major uh, CPG brand the other day and they were like, oh, but we're worried. We don't want to be the reason that an an athlete does something wrong and then they lose eligibility. So interestingly, I mean, there's always been a bit of education in the pro space, like what can Olympians do? What can NFL do? But it's, it's a little bit. But in college, we're having to think, gosh, there's a lot of questions There are a lot of people standing on the sidelines because they're not sure what they can do. And even by school, um, actually one of uh, my team, our sales managers in Miami, she met the quarterback for Miami and he was saying, hey, I can do CBD deals. And we thought no one could do CBD. So I think there's a lot of like, even for us, education and trying to figure things out. So it's, it's the unknown within a space that's like quite scalable is definitely a bit tough. Yeah, you've really leaned into it there when you're talking about the differences from state to state. And because we don't have federal legislation or like a universal plan, every state's a little different in how their plan operates. So I would think that's this extreme burden of we can't just be matchmakers anymore. We can't just be focused on um, on technology and advancing our partners and ROI. We have to be concerned with compliance and education. Has that added a whole new layer to your business now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so, you know, we've done this partnership with Influencer and they have given us a lot of like, here, the CBD thing. No one can do a CBD deal. No one can do an, um, an alcohol deal, a betting deal. But then when we find out that actually, you know, Miami can do CBD deals, it's like, oh no, like what's going on here? How do we, yeah. And one of our ideas is like, do we literally go school by school writing up their their regulations? But that's such a heavy toll on, you know, as you know, like we're a lean technology business. And so we don't have like the manpower to send people to schools and figure it out. And a lot of the schools don't even know or they're still making it up. So there's definitely a lot of questions, but it's fun because the opportunity is so large. It is. And that's got to be so exciting. It's like, sometimes I'm sure you get yourself mired in the nuance and worried about X, Y, or Z. But when you take that step back and you can just say, this is pretty cool to have this whole new marketplace, this whole new opportunity, and this whole new thing that we're learning. Is that just an energizing thing to be like, I don't know, for the last five or six years, you've operated in a certain way and now you get this whole new potential market. And yes, there's pitfalls or whatever, but I would think as an entrepreneur, that's got to be pretty crazy energizing. What's awesome, I would say, is I feel like our platform was literally built for NIL in a bizarre way. Like I feel like NIL needed, like when you think about this almost half a million students, great. Like, where are they going to go? No agency is signing them up. When you think about most of these athletes are going to be doing deals for $100, $200. Okay, no agent is sitting in the middle of that. Like, when you think about the fact that, like, 
okay, who's protecting the athlete, but then also who's protecting the brand, right? Like this is not going to be a case where they're going to meet up on the corner and exchange cash. Like you need to have a system. So in a way, when this all started happening and, you know, I know that you know about our JMI partnership, when they kind of, when we started talking to them, they were literally like, everything that your platform does is what's going to be needed plus plus a little bit more within the NIL space. So I think what's really gratifying for me and for our team is people, I mean, we obviously have competitors and they're starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. Our five years worth of work is literally like the day it opened, it was like almost exactly transferable to this space, which is great. That is, it's like that just perfect alignment of need and opportunity. Yeah. And it's just, it's really cool to see it happen from afar, like to watch it all. Um, I will tell you that I'm somewhat of a crazy researcher as I prepare for a lot of these conversations. Cause I want to sound smart too, in this whole process, but um, I read a lot of articles and a lot of interviews with you and you do stress the word transparency a lot. And I think that's really important. I think that's interesting to know. What does that mean to you in this world, in this world of, of transactional stuff happening? How, why is transparency so important to you? And how do you maintain that in this situation we're talking about where, I mean, there's massive shifts in decision-making that you don't necessarily control at a state level. And like, has that become harder to maintain? Yeah, absolutely. So I think transparency is the reason why we started open sponsorship because what I realized was when we was when I would try and sell sponsorship deals, you know, I, I work with a lot of teams, leagues, federations, and you'd go to a brand and you'd say, Hey, like, you know, I'm representing this property. Do you want to do a sponsorship deal with us? And they'd say, Oh, how much is it? And as a brand, as the, you know, the, the seller, you'd go, Well, what's your budget? Yeah. And they'd say, Well, how much is it? What's your budget? And then you kind of get trapped. Then Inevitably, one would cave in first. Let's say I'm the rights holder. I would say, okay, my budget, you know, the price for this package is a million dollars. Then they'd say, okay, that's too high. And then two weeks later, I'd be like, okay, it's actually like 25% of that. And they're like, oh, bad taste in mouth, right? And then you've got other brands who would say, well, I can't afford it. And you're like, well, you don't even know how much it costs. It doesn't matter. I can't afford it. And so what I realize is price, when you don't have price transparency in a market, you do not have an efficient market system because you're not allowing people to self-select whether they come in or not. And so from the get-go, for me, price was the most, price transparency. And then that meant, you know, I remember our engineers were at the beginning when we first launched the site and we had a pricing page and they were like, do we really need to publish pricing? And I was like, yeah, because dude, like, we're transparent. Like if people can afford it, great. And if they can't, then not. And it's, it's forced us to put in different levels and things like that. But I just feel like our industry is so shrouded. I mean, you you today, I remember when we were raising our first round of funding and and um, people would say, well, how big is the sponsorship industry? And I'd say 60 billion, that's documented. Okay, well, what's the athlete portion? I'm like, literally, I have no idea. Literally, no one yeah. has documented this. How much is owned by Nike versus like all the other? I have no idea. How much is owned by, like, literally no idea. And so... Our industry is just one that is like so shrouded in mystery. And I think like, for me, it was just like, let's demystify it. And, you know, obviously at the beginning, like some agents, teams would be like, we don't want to publish our price. And it's like, well, how are you going to get a deal if you don't? And so that now fast forward to where we are today, where, you know, we take a percentage, 
if there's an agent, they might take a percentage. What they do, their transparency is up to them. But I just think like, listen, we're a business. We have we have costs and whatever else, but we want to be really transparent with like, here's what we charge. Athletes, here's what we think you should charge. So when an athlete signs up based on their social and other things, we we give them an algorithm price. We're like, this is your recommended price. Now feel free to overwrite it. You can undercut, you can go over, up to you. But here's the price that we recommend. And of course, like sometimes... I think people are like, this is insulting. My price is $100. And we're like, yeah, but that's that's what our algo tells us. That's what you're likely to get deals. Yeah. And so, again, I just think like this idea of like price transparency, platform transparency is just so important in, in our industry. I completely agree. And I think the transparency goes to credibility because we so often as consumers, and I'm not even talking about just in the sports sector, I'm saying anywhere we do business, you're thinking now somebody's trying to take advantage of me, or I don't know enough to make this choice, or you go into situations with doubt. And if it's transparent and it's clear and it's educationally backed by saying like, this is what we, right, this is how we calculate. This is how we figure out what we think you're worth. This is what we think this should be. And giving somebody a framework to understand that it just immediately, I would think breed confidence within both sides of the equation. Is that what you find to be true as well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, don't get me wrong, like we definitely sometimes get pushback. So we charge between like 10 and 20% commission and we'll get pushback. And and sometimes people are like, listen, I, I can't tell my guy, my athlete, especially if it's an agent, I can't tell my athlete that you're taking this. Like, can we just don't tell us that? And I, and we force it to that. We're like, listen, you have to know what we're doing because yeah. the other thing is around, so you said credibility, which is great, scalability. If you're not transparent, you need someone to sit in the middle and do stuff. When you, yeah. when you are transparent, you can create scalable operations. And by that, I mean, we, as a, um, our marketplace from the get-go, what we wanted to do was connect the two users. We, we are a true two-sided marketplace. We don't sit in the middle. So we've just built the technology. So let's say that I'm Foot Locker. My campaign's up. It says $5,000 in exchange for a social media post by you know, an Olympian. You apply. Now, if you don't know what we're doing as a platform, when you hit apply and apply for 5K, and I see that 5K, and then suddenly you're like, oh, but there's this extra bit or there's this or whatever. You're not talking about the same number. And so what we realized really early on was if we are so transparent, then both sides can talk to each other about the same thing. And we don't have to sit in the middle, which is why we can do as like thousands of deals that we've done. It's so cool and makes so much sense. Uh, we were all reading yesterday or a couple of days ago. I referenced the Nick Saban conversation earlier, but we were all reading a couple of days ago as... Nick Saban said that his sophomore QB, Bryce Young, who hasn't started a game, hasn't even been named the starter, is already approaching a million dollars in deals. And I think all of us go, wow, um, that's, that's kind of crazy. Now, obviously, we can all make the argument, the Alabama brand and what that brings to the table and what that means, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Being the quarterback at Alabama is a big deal. Even if you haven't been named the starter, there's probably some speculation there. But when you hear news from that on your side of this equation, what emotion do you feel? Like, is this, is that crazy exciting? Is it surprising? Does it concern you at all? Like, is this like a bubble effect? Like, where do, where do you stand on this as you, as you see some of the information come through in the first couple of weeks? 
Yeah, I, I would say that it definitely doesn't surprise me. And I'd say it really is similar to the pro space where your top, top 1%, um, and in this case, I, I'll keep reiterating, I think it's top 0.1% or even less. Yeah. That that percentage, get they do things at a completely different level. So, you know, the sponsorship dollars going to LeBron James and Serena Williams and, you know, Tiger Woods is completely different to even number three, four, five in that sport, right? Maybe slightly different in the pro sports because there's a few more players, but like Serena and then and then Naomi Osaka and then like big gap, three, four, five kind of thing, right? And so I would say, you know, I know that he's um, uh, younger signed to, to CAA. So already you've got the brand power of CAA. He probably walked in and they said, cool, we're gonna give you a, you know, a sports contract, a Gatorade contract, a, you know, State Farm, mm. co- whatever, right? Like the three yep. big, yeah, we've already, we've already got these signed up for you. That's why you're going to get them. So that is just not the norm. And of course, that that's going to happen for the top, 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 top guys. But it's it's really not the norm. And those will always be done by agents. Like I just don't see them yeah. not being backed by agents. So now you should just really, what we should really be looking at is how many of those athletes are signed up by agents, especially the, the you know, the Excel. Like I think Excel will take three, CAA will take a few, Rock Nation will take a few, you know, they'll all take a couple. Those guys yeah. are going to make millions and then everyone else is going to be on our site doing like $500 deals, sadly. Or like five, I mean, not sadly, like it is what it is. No, hey, that there's there's economies of scale right there. It starts to add up pretty quickly. And yeah. there's just opportunities to get your brand and name out there and grow from someplace. And to have that started, to have a foothold for an athlete, to have a foothold on something, and then watch that continue to grow based on performance or personality or whatever else, I mean, can really be kind of cool to watch, I would think. So what's your projection and this might not even be a fair question, but I look at this and I say, is there a six month window where it's crazy? Everybody's getting deals, random people you've never heard of are all of a sudden signing decent sized deals or even small deals here and there. But is that going to maintain? Is there going to be a bit of a bubble effect? Do we slow down and it just starts to isolate to big stars or big personalities? As you look at this and you kind of see where things are now, where do you think we are a year from now? Yeah, I don't see it slowing down, actually, um, because, I mean, obviously, you've got a few deals that were done for like PR worthiness, the very, very early ones. Um, But honestly, like America's a huge country. There are only so many pro sports teams. There's a lot of college teams, college athletics in places where there are not pro sports coverage, they, those college athletes speak to a younger demographic as long, I mean, many of them who do post regularly on social are utilizing channels like TikTok or Triller or the new, the new things. Um, so I genuinely think that this is a market that is attractive to brands. Um, I actually think it will continue to ramp up as People get more comfortable with what they can do and the scalability of it. Um, I mean, JMI, UK, University of Kentucky has 109 um, sp- partners, sponsors. Like we're working with one, maybe two of those right now. So yeah. just imagine there's a lot of scope here when you start thinking about each school's sp- sp- like partners 
what are they going to do in the space? They're definitely going to, you know, maybe they'll go star quarterback or maybe they'll go, hey, I'll pick up 10 smaller guys just, just so I've got some representation. So I don't see it slowing down. I think there'll just probably be a little bit less news and, and buzz around it. But, I, you know, I, I don't see the sponsorship deal slowing down. One of the cool things I think of too is I, I somebody said to me, oh, it's it's cliche, it's said all the time now, but the riches are in the niches. And so I think of that in this lens and say like, if I'm a vegan power bar type company, like I can go partner with a vegan athlete and find that right match. And that could be like exactly the right type of laser focused person that I need. Is that where part of the leverage advantage comes in in this too, is to not just be the state farms, the Gillette's, mm. these massive companies, but some of these smaller companies that might have a smaller budget, but want to get the exact right partnership. Is that where we see some real, real benefit here too? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, our, our sweet spot is actually CPG companies that are genuinely interested in athletes and vice versa. Athletes genuinely are interested in those products. Um, we're doing a campaign right now with like a, a rice substitute. Uh, they're called Right Rice. And think about it, like this is your target audience, giving them product on campus. You're putting it into the hands of these fairly influential people on campus. Like this, this is what you want to be doing. And so, you know, exactly to that point, are these deals going to be traditional, like longer term deals? Probably not. But is there going to be a lot of like product seeding, um, you know, a lot of potentially affiliate? It's out to be discussed. We're thinking about it. Um, and then the other side of it is, you know, there's, what we try and do is we get the athletes to tell us, hey, what are your interests? Because a lot of the brands that they love, you know, maybe if you're a female athlete and you love Birchbox, let's go out and do those deals. And again, like maybe it's not crazy money, but it's cool. And for the first time, you're able to associate with these brands or you yeah. can like do things with them. So I think there's there's going to be a lot of like getting the athletes because there are so many telling, opting in, almost telling us what they want to see and reversing what we do right now. I love that. I love that. I get geeked up about this. I think this is so exciting. Like, I think this is so cool. There's so many different opportunities and ways you can take this and just to open it up to college athletes who I've always felt deserve the right to earn and to actually see it start to happen, I think is so cool. So I want to pivot back. You've mentioned JMI a couple of times. You mentioned influencer. In the content world, we so often talk about collaborations. You know, you see people collaborating on a piece of content. One of the things I've started to see with NIL, your business and others uh, are some of these collaborations and partnerships that have been really cool. I had Nita Srikanth from Influencer on the show, Zach Moritas from Teamworks on the show. I read where you're partnering with JMI. Um, how cool are these partnerships you're able to do? How much does that fit into your overall business strategy and how do they all kind of come about? Yeah, absolutely. So when you start thinking about like the business dynamics I think partnerships are great for, hey, are you going to bring something that's like either that we can't get ourselves or it's cheaper to go through you, you know, especially if it's a rev share, like taking into the like account of the costs. So with Influencer, what they brought is the scale of student athletes. So, you know, immediately they're able to go out and say, hey, here's open sponsorship and it helps their sales pitch because the people they're competing against may have a marketplace or not. And so it's a very symbiotic relationship um, and it just kind of makes sense. Now, it's not 
exclusive on either way. Like we can DM athletes, we can work with schools and whatever else, but it's just, it brings scale very quickly. So that was awesome on that side. And then on the other side, we started thinking about, as I told you, like what keeps me up at night is like, I want to make sure that these athletes actually do deals, right? Like I see all this content being put out about education and paying taxes. you got to make money to pay taxes. Like where is this money coming <laughs> from? So basically when we started thinking about, okay, how are we going to get more brands into the ecosystem? As I mentioned, like there are these um, partners who are already working with the schools. They're selling the rights. They're selling it to brands who wanted to associate with the school. Now, what's happening with the athlete universe. And because we're so independent um, and because of the functionality just works and the platform works, it's a natural segue for them to say, okay, we'll partner with you, with open sponsorship to give you guys access to athletes, but slightly hands off. So I really like that because now we're not, you know, essentially it was a, do I hire a salesperson in every market? Right. Or do we lean on partners and do a rev share and like, you know, enjoy the benefits, but not have to create this like new ecosystem. So um, I, re- I am actually really enjoying partnerships now. The only hard thing about partnerships is just making sure you're completely aligned mm-hmm. so that everyone's incentivized to work hard for them. Yeah, it's a really great distinction because I do think of it that way. A lot of like, okay, we know this thing is important for our business. Do we need to develop it, hire staff, come up with a strategy, really start to implement it ourselves? Or does it make sense to partner with somebody else? And it's never that clean, right? There's always some variables, making sure the businesses are aligned and in spirit and and the way they want to work. Like if you're super transparent and they're not um, like, yeah, it's not as easy as that, but it's like, I, you can see where when the right partnership happens, when you align with somebody like influencer, it can really, really raise the bar for both organizations. So it's, it's cool to see as it starts to filter out and, and start to see how this whole thing plays out. Um, as this grows and you start to see NIL continue to grow, more potential athletes come into it, the demand for sponsorship deals grow, you're going to get more and more competitors. There are competitors out there right now. I tend to think you guys are the best by far. Thank you. But um, there are competitors out there. How hard is that to always kind of stay ahead? How hard is that to always stay in a top position as you start to see other competitors flood the field? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I would say I tend to think that our main competition is against ourselves to be able to solve the challenges that we're not solving. Like, um, if you asked me, are we doing as many deals as we could be doing? No. Are we, for the people who are doing deals, are they, are we charging them as much as we could be charging? Oh, oh, not we are charging, but what I'm saying is like, could they be doing more deals? Yes. Could we be showing them more ROI? Yes. Like we have so much that we're trying to do ourselves that if I can solve these problems, we stay a leader. If I start looking sideways and backwards and going, oh, they have this pricing and they charge less than us or they have this functionality or whatever else, then what happens is you're distracting yourself from your own, like what your own path. Um, And as you said, because we have been doing this a lot, like a long time, um, I'd like to think we're a very smart, driven and customer focused team. Um, Obviously my my background, like most people who've started this have like probably done a demo of our platform or know our platform and then started it versus like right. been, been in the industry like I have um, selling and buying sponsorship. And so I think like, 
I think it's ours to 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 win uh, or to lose or whatever you say. Um, and and honestly, the way to do that is to listen to your customer and say, okay, what more do you want versus anything else? As an entrepreneur and as somebody in in charge, I'll say it, even if you don't want to, but um, as somebody in charge of the operation and how it works, does the majority of your time spent now be on those bigger issues of how do we get where we need to go versus in the weeds, you know, really getting in with engineers or development or, or any of your marketing plans? Like, do you stay at a higher level and say, these are the big problems we need to solve and this is where I need to spend my, 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 my most mind, my highest amount of mind power? Yeah, I would definitely say so. Um, one is I, I don't really enjoy getting, I mean, I was, I was a management consultant. I studied economics. Like I can get into an Excel sheet and, you know, get into the weeds, but like, Sometimes you lose sight of the bigger picture. And so like, I definitely enjoy like passing details on to other people. Um, I'm also not a micromanager. Um, so I quite like this idea that, you know, you can trust other people and just like get it done. But you know, on the flip side, what you need is make sure like we have monthly targets and we keep an eye on things so that, you, you know, you, you know that there's a guardrail. But yeah, for sure, like a lot of my time is spent, you know, and, and competition has made me think a lot more of that. Like, how do we go faster? But it's also not, it's not just like, let's build product for the sake of it so that we've got something different. But it's like, what's really going to move the revenue, like mm. number? What's really going to like dial it up for us. Um, we're doing a lot more in marketing, but it's then tracking it, which is really tough in marketing and, you know, um, yeah. attribution and all of that stuff. So um, yeah, it's, it's really fun challenges to solve. And, and honestly, like a lot of them are questions in my head that, you know, uh, we still not solve. But the point being is, as you said, my job is to solve them at some point and make yeah. sure we solve them before anyone else. <laughs> it's a great challenge. Uh, so one of the things I was thinking about this last night, um, it's kind of cool. And this might be just one of those happy accidents. It's kind of cool that you named your company open sponsorship versus sports sponsorship or something with a sports title in it. Because to me, I look at this and say, there's other markets you could start to penetrate. Uh, do you ever think that way and think, there could be another world out there for our marketplace outside of just the sports vertical? Or is this something you say like, there's so much work to do in sports and there's so much opportunity here to really capitalize on. Let's stay in our lane. Yeah, honestly, if college hadn't happened, we would have extended to music by now. Um, but the scale of college and, and the fact that like, this is a historic moment in time, of course you have to jump on it and let's not get distracted is what meant that we had already started because we weren't really sure what was going to happen with college and was it going to be like one state or whatever. So in our flow, we actually have already started, like you can sign up as a comedian, as an, uh, as an entertainer, as a musician, as a content creator, as a celebrity chef. And so we're definitely thinking about the other verticals. But the point being is there's not a seismic shift in those industries today. Yeah. So it's almost like we can backburn that don't get me wrong. Like when we speak to agencies on the music side, they are like, when are you launching in music? Like this is needed. And it was so interesting is when you think about athletes, actually, there's only so much sponsorship they can do because on field, they're so restricted. So they can do social and appearances. But when you think about music, you've got tour, you've got music videos, you know, there's so much opportunity. So I'm actually very excited about music. It's just it's just bandwidth, honestly, right now. Yeah. Oh, of course. 
Yeah. And it's always that, that, that debate I would think of, this could be an exciting thing for us to pivot into, or do we stay in our lane and really become the masters of this universe? And I think that has to be one of those big challenges as CEO is to figure out that two, five year projection of where you need to be. I think that's probably fascinating. Um, I want to finish up with this. this. is a great conversation. I love this topic and I love talking to you. So thank you so much for coming back on again. I'm curious about things from the entrepreneurial side perspective. As you look back at open sponsorship, when you started in 2015, obviously it's a great deal different now than it was then when you first launched. But as you look back at the journey kind of in totality, what are your biggest takeaways? What were those big aha moments? Like, oh my gosh, this is what this world is like. You know, as you look back, what do you think? Yeah. Um, gosh, there's been so many. You start I'd, smiling right away, which is cool though. So you're not looking back with any regrets. You're, you're thinking you had happy thoughts there. I could tell. <laughs> I'm thinking about all those moments where I'm like, ah, oh, I didn't think about that one. So I'd say yeah. B2B is not as logical as B2C. That was a very early realization where we, when, you're, when you do a B2C product, you mostly, you think with your wallet, you think with like your time, your watch, right? Like you, you're like, if it makes my life easier, quicker, more efficient or cheaper, I'm in. Yeah. B2B, you're like, yeah, but my friend runs the agency downstairs. So like, I want to work with him or like, oh, but I get tickets from that agent. So like, why would I not like, I, I put, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of like relationship. There's a lot yep. of other things. Like it's, it's not really your wallet. It's someone else's wallet. So it's interesting. So I think, um, and even on the, you know, I remember when we launched open sponsorship, I like pitched up to speak to the, some Olympic Federation and I was like, this is the best thing ever. And they were like, yeah, but why would we want to put money in the hands of the athletes? That's money that comes to us. And I was like, okay, this is not logical. Move on from this. So that was a big realization. And then I think the journey from entrepreneur to CEO was definitely a um, something I hadn't really thought about. Like, I didn't really think about reading management books before my first hire or like thinking about like, you know, you make your first tire, you just make them. You don't think, are they senior, junior? Like now, for example, we are mostly remote, but now that we're hiring more and we're hiring junior, we're thinking about not being remote anymore because junior team members are very hard to manage and to motivate when they're remote. So I think there's like so much coming into the management side of running the business that, you know, early on, I was just thinking about the problem and the solution, problem, solution. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd say that, but I, I love working with product. I mean, I just love that like people will say like, oh, can you do this? I'm like, yeah, of, of course we can. We can build that. And I, I think like, I think I take it for granted sometimes, but you, you talking about it makes me realize like working with technology and product, A, means how scalable you are, but B, it's just... Um, it's just amazing to, 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 to like solve problems using technology and then everyone can use it. Yeah, it is. It's super cool when you kind of come up with an idea and you have a developer development team that's like, okay, I can run with that and I can do this and I can come with this and bring something else to it. And then it's like this collaboration that just gets to the best point. I love that. Um, you made me think of one other thing too. My, my our CEO, uh, who, you know, started out as the entrepreneur and the founder of work in sports used to say that the further he got into being CEO, he spent more and more time working in the business versus on the business. Mm. And so he spent so much time working on 
HR policies or benefits or tax reports or whatever. And it's like, I want to be thinking about where we're going, you know? And I'm like, you need to hire somebody then. Uh, but it is, it is that dynamic and that shift going from this super creative entrepreneurial, let's try this, let's go after it to then being like, okay, now I'm running an organization and there's all these things that go into that. That's gotta be a, a crazy challenge, but it, I mean, look where you are now. seems like you've done a pretty good job. Thanks. We have good people around us. So around me, which is great. Yeah. Ishreen, thank you so much for coming back on. I love this conversation. I love talking to you. I love learning more about this. I get smarter after I talk to you every time. So um, we're gonna have to do this again. I really enjoy talking to you. We'll do it every 18 months and just hope that there isn't another pandemic in the meantime. Yeah, let's try to, we'll bypass the pandemic part. We'll throw in some other cool music conversation we can get into and uh, we'll see where we are in 18 months. <laughs> I love it. Nate. Thank you so much for having me on. It's so fun. So fun. Well, I think it's clear why I had Ishveen back on the show. She truly is an expert in this space and the space is changing so rapidly. It's somewhere where there's going to be continuous opportunity. Think about brand marketers. Think about business deals and sponsorship packages and all the different things that can come out of this. Social media expertise, there's opportunity out there. I've seen many athletes who are doing NIL deals, but that it's you know for music bookings. Like they, They're actually a singer and they want to go earn money at a bar. That's cool. But then you also get these high level deals or you get some smaller deals that are for a social media campaign or you get a two or $300 deal here and there. It's just like, there's so much opportunity and interest in this. And I think it is the direction that sports industry is going and Ishveen is our expert. We are going to bring her back as this continues to develop because I don't know, I like talking to her, not just because she has the greatest accent ever, uh, but because she's super knowledgeable And I get smarter every time I hear from her. And I know you guys do too. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Ishveen for coming on. I really appreciate every one of you. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. And I'll see you next week.